But Father, this morning, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. When every voice ceases, there's one voice that never ceases. It's your voice. For our God speaks. For he's alive. Forever he lives. He's the eternal word. The living word. The alpha and the omega. And everything ends. You would still be there, Lord. Nothing passes your eyes. Nothing is overlooked by you. And your days fast approaching, O oh Lord. Fast approaching. The day of justice. The day of righteousness. The day of rewards. And also the day of wrath. It's coming closer. Every second that ticks by, we know that day is getting closer. And I pray the ministry of the word. The Spirit of God will prepare every voice, every every person, every individual to prepare for the coming of the Lord. We look to you, Lord. We look to you. Author and finisher of faith, speak to us, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. This morning shall we turn to Luke chapter 19. We'll read from verses 11 to 27. Another parable. You will see almost everything that Jesus spoke was connected with the kingdom of God. And even as we go through these parables and the teachings, please learn from Jesus. Whatever we may go through in life, whatever the society may be going through, don't lose your focus. Your focus is his focus. The kingdom of God. Not the kingdoms of this world. But to prepare the kingdoms of this world for the coming of the kingdom of God. Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable. Because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought, they thought, you can think absolutely wrong. They thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called <coughs> ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minors, and said to them, do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. So it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first saying, Master, your miner has earned ten miners. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in, a very, in very little. Have authority over ten cities. Which translation is this? Okay, okay. No, it's fine. We'll come back to one verse in KJV later. And the second came saying, Master, your miner has earned five miners. Likewise, he said to them, you also be over five cities. Then another came saying, Master, here is your miner, which I kept put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you, because you are an austere man, 
You collect what you did not deposit, reap what you did not sow. So he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit, reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? He said to those who stood by, take the miner from him and give it to him who had who has ten miners. But they said to him, Master, he has ten miners. For I say to you that to everyone who has will be given, and to from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And then seven, twenty-seven. And bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. Be very careful about how we read scripture. Parable after parable after parable after parable. And all the way to his last words before ascension. It's about the kingdom of God. So we have to keep our perspective very, very clear. Otherwise, we will read everything wrong. We tell in English, no? Backgrounding and foregrounding. The background, the big picture is the kingdom of God. Then only we will be able to read correctly. Everything has to be read, keeping that in perspective. If you read the account in the book of Chronicles, especially about the time of David, you will see history shaping up during the reign of David. You have David now becoming king of all uh, all Israel. You have now soldiers joining him, joining him from different tribes. Now they're all joining. Earlier there's just a couple of tribes. Now other tribes are also sending their warring men. And then you will have the ark coming back. So there is a flow of history in David's period. So all these men are joining. And we know these words, but for those who are also listening, in chapter 12 of Chronicles and verse 32, there is a difference with this set of people who joined. Chronicles. 12.32, not 11, 12.32. The sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. All were warriors, but there were a set of warriors with a difference. And these warriors made a difference to the whole army, the entire movement. Why? Because they had an understanding of times. Therefore, they knew what Israel ought to do. They're just one tribe, one small tribe. But all of Israel knew what to do because this set of people had an understanding of what to do. Because they had an understanding of times. Unless we have an understanding of times, we will do a lot of deeds. But it may not bring much effect in the kingdom of God. We are not called to do everything. We are called to do what the king wants us to do. In Luke 19 and verse 13 in KJV, this is what the noble man, that is Jesus Christ, and he is the only noble man because he is the only man who is noble. The rest are all fakes, including us. We may think we are noble, but we are fakes. He is the only one who is noble. He called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds. So miners have become pounds here. Okay, so it's British. And said unto them, Occupy till I come. That's what he said. What did he tell them? Do business. The other way. Occupy till I come. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. 
he's speaking to his disciples. And he's still talking to us. If you consider yourself a disciple, and I pray all those who are hearing, considers or sees and hears in the perspective of a disciple and not just a member of the crowd, but a disciple, he's speaking to the disciples and he gives them a commission to the disciples. He's gone out to a faraway country to receive a kingdom. And he says, occupy till I come. In between, on verse 14, there is an interlude. It's interesting, the interlude, which has got no connection actually with the whole parable. 14 and 27 go together. Okay? Verse 14 says, <clears throat> but his citizens hated him. Citizens? But he's a king. And it's talking about the world. He's a king. But the world is full of democracies, which is full of citizens. But the king has only subjects. And that's why the term citizen is used over there. These are all Democrats and Republicans. They fight for democracy. They fight for freedom. They're all humanists. And they hated him. They hated him. Not because he was bad. Because you know, they hate subjection. They hate coming under. They hated him. Because they didn't want, we will not have this man to reign over us. So there are ten servants, and then this is huge group called, but they are still his citizens. Whether <laughs> they like it or not, they are his citizens. You may live on planet earth, you may not like God, but the earth and its fullness and everything in it still belongs to him. Okay? So scripture says, the citizens hated him. There is a problem here in verse 11 because people did not have the understanding of Issachar because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. They didn't understand the time. And sometimes we also think, oh, oh, it's coming close. Maybe, maybe not. Okay. In verse 12, scripture says he went to receive a kingdom. A certain noble man went to into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Okay? Kingdom has two usages. Bef kingdom has one which signifies power and authority. And then the second thing which is called the subjects. Okay? So Jesus goes up to heaven. He receives power and authority. A king is crowned. He receives power and authority. Then he comes back and says, all power and authority has been given to me. Now in my name and go make disciples. Okay? Disciples. Now he'll come back one day to see what's the work the church did. I gave you power. I gave you authority. I gave you my name. And I told you, go and make disciples of all nations. One day he will come back now, return to receive the subjects. Now he's went up to receive power and authority and he has deputed his people and says, make disciples of all nations. And that's what he said, occupy till I come. Okay? Occupy till he come. And then of his disciples or his servants, we have ten people called because it's a certain number connecting with God's order, but three groups are mentioned. Only three groups are mentioned over there. The first servant comes with one into ten, makes it ten times, hundredfold. Another man brings one and makes it five. And then, of course, you have the third one who takes the one and brings it back. So divisions are still going on. Unknown to us, 
there is a division going on right before our eyes until the coming of the Lord. But much of the narrative is connected with the third servant. Okay, third servant. It is about the third servant we need to look at. One and two, we can leave. But third servant, verse 26. Concerning the third servant, Jesus makes a strange statement. No, strange statement he makes. For I say to you that everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Strange statement, right? The question should be asked is, if someone has nothing, how can you take away anything from him? If you have nothing, you can't take anything. So it was not that the servant had nothing. He did have a minor, like the others. But he saw it has nothing. That's the problem. He saw it has nothing. Remember Elisha's, Elijah's widow? She had a little flour, a little oil, and she saw it has nothing. This is the end of my life. She didn't realize with that nothing, God was going to transform her life. But she saw that has nothing. So she was planning to eat it and die. She was planning to see, eat it and die. She saw it as nothing. There was another widow during Elisha's time. Her husband was a righteous man, but he ran into debt, meaning he could be good in one thing and be terrible with finances. He ran into debt and he died. And the creditors came to take her children. So she ran to Elisha, your husband, my, my husband, your servant. He says, do you have anything? What do you have? She said, nothing. That's her answer. Nothing. Just a little oil. He who has nothing. It's a problem within the kingdom of God. We disregard what God has given us. We discount it. We look at it as nothing without realizing God will ask an account for us for that we counted nothing because with that nothing he could have done everything. Everything. That's what Moses said. Nothing. Because what's in your hand? Oh. That? What can you do with this? What can you do with this? My shepherd's rod. He said, that's enough. I'll bring Israel with it. Out with it. That's all God used. He had nothing. Just a stick. God said, that's fine. Will you give, my, give that stick to me? Yes, Lord. That's enough. I'll use the stick and I'll bring my people out. Please remember this. A long, long interval. Before the Lord comes back. He has told us, occupy till I come. This uses a term like mina, pound, rupees, dollars, whichever way currency you want to use. To help us understand. He's not talking about money. He's not talking about money. He's using a term in our realm in which we live, which is what we use to do everything. Everything that we do is translated usually into money. Even your work, your labor, your life ultimately is counted, right? Even marriages are counted, no? No? Tall, handsome man with five-figure salary. So you're also a product in the market. Sold. 
Everything is counted in money. God says, okay, I will use your, I will use your language. But he's not actually talking about money. Not using, explaining to us in economic terms, but he's talking about life. He's talking about life. 78th day of lockdown. 77 days are over for us. God says, how do you, how do you look at your life? How do you look at life? Have you, have you reevaluated what life is? Do you value life more? Do you see it as a very precious gift? That the very fact that you're alive <laughs> this morning, does that make you happy? Because every day is a gift. We are here. I am working. Technically, right now, I am working. John chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Those who are dead cannot work. Doesn't the psalmist say, Those who are dead can't praise. They can't praise you. They can't work. Every day is a gift. And we have no clue how that day is a gift. Look at four verses. Psalm 121, 7, uh, uh, 91, 5 and 6. First 91, 5 and 6. Psalm 91, 5 and 6. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste. At noonday. What's God talking about? God says, you, have you any clue what's happening? Every second of every day, the enemy is planning to destroy you. Working non-stop, day and night, 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 to destroy people, especially God's people. 24-7 powers of darkness, day and night. In Psalm 121, verse 7 and 8, the Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even more. And he says, do you know why you are preserved? Know why you are preserved? Because I and my father are at work from the beginning and are still at work. That's why. He says, do you understand? Do you value life? God has protected us day and night. Day and night. And day and night is translated into life. And life is translated into time. Right? Last Sunday also we looked at time. What did we do with 77 days? Will we be able to give an account of our time? Did we occupy? Yes, we were busy. I'm not saying that we were not busy. <laughs> That's not what Jesus said. Be busy till I come. Abba, then so many people will be having crowns. <laughs> okay. They'll be winning every busy bee competition. <laughs> That's not what he said. He said, occupy till I come. This is an interesting incident. I think the only place in the entire Bible you have a term that is used there, which is so funny in English. It's during the time of King Ahab. Remember, even if Israel and Judah has wicked kings, God is always good, always merciful, because he remembers his covenant with Israel. 
Okay, so Ban Hadad has been, uh, it has been attacking. Remember, the Lord of the mountains and the Lord of the valleys and all that over there. And God gives power, strength to Israel to defeat and to destroy. But what happens is, he doesn't do that. He immediately change, changes his tune and everything and all, gets the victory, gets become big friends with Ben Hadad and all. So God sends a prophet to give him a lesson. The prophet is covered his face and all, standing in the road. Just look at that incident in First Kings chapter 20, verses 38 to 43. The prophet departed, waited for the king by the road and disguised himself with a bandage over his eyes. It, it's very funny. Okay? You have to look at what all prophets were called to do. Okay. And then, yeah. Now as the king passed by, he cried out to the king and said, Your servant went out into the midst of the battle and there a man came over and brought a man to me and said, Guard this man, if any by any means he is missing, your life shall be for his life or else you shall pay a talent of silver. While his servant was busy here and there, he was gone. Then the king of Israel said to him, So shall your judgment be. You yourself have decided it. And he hastened to take the bandage away from his eyes. And the king of Israel recognized him as one of the prophets. Then he said to him, Thus says the Lord, Because you have let slip out of your hand a man whom I appointed to utter destruction. Therefore your life shall go for his life and your people for his people. The judgment came out of his own mouth. Okay, but look at verse 40. I like verse 40. 40. While your servant was busy, here and there. That's what God's people are always busy here and there. Well, the enemy has slipped away. Our job was to occupy till he come and keep the enemy under our feet. But we are busy here and there and the enemy is gone. So God says, your nation for his nation. Your nation for his nation. Your people for his people. You know why? You are so busy. Busy here and there. That's the incredible part of Jesus Christ from the day you hear him speak at the age of 12 and then from the day you see him in public till the day he ascends. He is busy, not here and there absolutely focused on his father's business. The first words he says, why are you looking for me? Am I not supposed to be at my father's business? You know? Mommy, you don't know my dad. Before I came, my dad said, occupy till the end. And I have been at my father's business. We waste our time, our minor. Because we are busy, not we are lazy. We are not lazy. We are busy here and there. We spend all of our time here and there. And the enemy slips away. We can complain about everything. And many of our complaints may be legit. One thing, let me tell you, when we stand before God, no man on earth from Adam till the last man will be able to tell God, I got less time. Because every man got the same time. You can say I got less opportunities, I had less education, I had less resources, I had less health. Every excuse can be legit except one. No man will be able to say I had less time. God will say everyone was given the same measure of time. What did you do with your minor? 
One servant saw it has nothing, so it remained nothing. Another man did not see it has nothing. He made it a hundredfold. He was given one. He brought and gave it to him as ten times. Ten minus. So it was not that anybody else who curtailed his progress. It was he himself. And we will see where he went primarily went wrong. Where he went wrong. Go back to. We'll read verse 16, verse 18, and verse 19 of Luke 19, right? Luke 19, yeah. Then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned 10 minas, verse 18. Second came saying, Master, and verse 20. The another came saying, Master, oh, address is the same. Sapne bola prabhu, prabhu. Everybody called upon the name of Jesus. Everybody ended in the name of Jesus, began with the Father, ended up in the... Everybody confessed, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Everybody outwardly addressed him the same way. But verse 21 is a revealer. I feared you because you are an austere, hard man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. That's what went wrong. Where do we go wrong is what occupies our mind. Ultimately. What occupies your mind? Occupy it till I come. I do believe this man was occupied. But what mattered was what was occupying his mind resulted in the nature of work he did for the kingdom of God. In his heart, he saw God as a hard man. In his heart, he saw God as an opportunist. You collect what you don't deposit. You reap what you don't sow. You are an opportunist. You actually are not a good man. You are a wicked man. So that's why it's important to ask the question, how do you and I see God? It really matters because that's ultimately what we will become. How we see God. Our hands may be occupied, busy, busy, busy. But our hearts may be occupied with something completely different. How do we see God? Hard? And opportunities? Wicked? Not fair? That's a common complaint you hear about people. It's not fair. So when you say it's not fair and you also believe in the sovereignty of God, you are actually putting two and two seconds. God is not fair. Ultimately, what matters is what occupies your heart. Solomon was the one whose hands was occupied with great and magnificent projects. But at the end, his heart was empty. He did not allow his heart to be occupied with the kingdom of God. He allowed his hands to be occupied with great projects. Great projects. And what he said, 
It's an opinion. You know what? My opinion and your opinion about God does not matter. What matters is what's the truth. My opinion doesn't change God. God is forever the same. What is written in the word, what is revealed in the word of God is what God of word is. God is. This is just an opinion. A lot of people have opinions about God. It does not matter. Does it agree with the word of God? That's what is truth. Is our mind occupied with truth of who God is? Psalm 138 and verse 2, the psalmist says, I turned towards your holy temple. I will worship toward your holy temple. I'll praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. I have a name called Jesus. Jesus means Yeshua. Yeshua means Savior. But what do I understand about your saving power unless I know what your word says, who you are? What do you save me from? I have your name, but I don't understand how that name operates and how that name works unless I know your word, because your word is a revelation of your name. So the servant's opinion does not matter. You can have 101 opinions in a courtroom. It's irrelevant. The judge will go by the book. We'll go by the book. God's word. Is there going to be perfect justice in the world? No. It's not going to happen. It will happen when Jesus comes. But we should strive for it. But it's only going to happen when Jesus comes. Therefore the church is called to live Consistently with this reality of that day that is coming. Occupy till when? Till I come. And he is coming. But we don't know when. Day and hour, no man knows. And a day can be a thousand years. He may come in the third millennium. We don't know. I mean, who can tell him, you should come? (laughs) We can say we are ready, but he will say you are not ready at all. Do our opinions count? No, it doesn't. All we can do is occupy. Occupy. We are called to occupy. And the first thing we have to ask ourselves is that if I have been called to occupy, what is my mind occupied with? They always talk, in FBI always talks about a crime. They say, follow the money trail. Follow the money trail. Okay? Follow the money trail. So you can find Okay, in the same way. Just check your mind. Just check your mind. Check your mind. It's simple. What occupies your mind? Remember last week we looked at, a couple of days we looked, cares, riches, pleasures. Jesus' mind was totally occupied with the kingdom of God. And therefore everything worked for him till the end on earth. That's the interesting part. What he lived is what he preached. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. How do you know? He said, didn't you see my life? (laughs) Hey, Peter, John, look here. You were with me all these years, right? Did you lack anything? Even when I sent you somewhere, did you lack anything? And I told you very specifically when I sent you, don't carry anything with you. Did you lack anything? No. Do you know why? Because I sent you with one purpose. Even if you didn't understand the purpose, the sender had the purpose. 
when I sent you on my behalf, you were seeking the kingdom. Therefore, the kingdom added all that you needed. All that you needed. I've been called to occupy our mind very, very careful. Be very careful. Constantly go back and see that our mind is occupied with the thoughts of God. So that God can speak to us and we will know he's speaking to us. Because God cannot speak to a mind which a mind is fully occupied with something else. He cannot speak. Even if he speaks, we will not hear. Because you have to have a framework of your thinking where God is able to speak to you. When you are kingdom conscious, the king can speak to you. Even if he wakes up you from your sleep, you know who is waking you up from your sleep and what he is saying. You are able to hear Second thing, what we need to occupy. Right now, you know, we've had for the past couple of weeks, we had tensions at our border, our northern border. So, suddenly you realize, okay, couple of things have been happening for the past few months. Right now, in Kashmir, next to the highway, there are emergency, another Airfield is being built on the side. You know, there are certain highways in India, in the northern sectors, which are also designated as uh, airfields for fighter jets to take off. Okay, you will see a, a airport was inaugurated last year with great pomp and this thing in Pakyong and it shut down. Nothing is operating now. It's shut down last year itself. But that is why, you would, why do you have to build an airport there when you know it will shut down? Because it was built for the Air Force, for an emergency, not for civilian aircraft. Civilian aircrafts need long runways. Military aircrafts don't need so much. So there are. So suddenly you realize Indian Army, the Indian, moving on the Sikhois to Hashimara and to the forward bases in Kashmir and all because we saw the Chinese have been moving there. Why? Ultimately, whoever has air superiority wins. Everything else is secondary. If you do not establish air superiority, you will not win a war. You have to take over the skies. Then you win the battle on the earth. Right? That's how it works. That's why the enemy has filled the airwaves. Our eyes and our ears are assaulted by the enemy. The air, he has taken over. <laughs> Even if you have a cable TV in your house, by the time you find a Christian program, you would have to go through 200 others. And then in that Christian program with 200 programs, you have to still screen through that 200 to find what is true. He has saturated the airwaves, the eyes and the ear gate, fully taken over. While we were supposed to occupy the airwaves. Let me give you a few verses. Romans 12, 2, 12, 12, Colossians 4, 2. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in Colossians 4.2 Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Why this thanksgiving brought over there? Because that is the element of faith. Because you know his kingdom is coming. Ultimate victory is guaranteed. No soldier wants to fight a battle where victory is not guaranteed. You are just a martyr. But if the country is defeated, who cares whether you are a martyr? 
But if the country is going to win, then your martyrdom is worth it. You are celebrate. Okay? So, with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Pray without ceasing. Ephesians 6.18 6.18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful. With this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So God was saying that, you know, you are supposed to be occupying your prayer closets. That's how you occupy the airwaves. He says, did we? Did we? Because prayer is spiritual confrontation. Much of prayer is spiritual confrontation. In Ephesians 6.12, the Bible is very clear. We do not, means we do, wrestle with principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We do wrestle. Who wrestles? Those who occupy their prayer closets. They wrestle. They wrestle. What were we called to? We were called to decide the airwaves instead. While we were busy here and there, the enemy took over the airwaves. We were so busy. The church was so busy in the past hundred years. The airway was taken. What was supposed to be a blessing, the radio. What was supposed to be a blessing, TV. What was supposed to be a blessing, internet has been taken over by the enemy. Spewing filth and anti-God agenda 24-7. Why? Because we didn't realize we were called to wrestle. Called to wrestle. In Colossians 4 and verse 12, Paul talks about a known man called Ephaphras. Ephaphras, who is one of you, a bond servant of Christ, greets you always fervently. Can you hear me, Wrestling fervently for you in prayers. Am I right? I think it's KJV says wrestling. Let's see. No, there's also it's fervently. Is it KJV? Okay. He's laboring. Yeah. Ever for us who is one of you, a servant of Christ, sends greeting is always wrestling in prayer for you. That you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. What is the wrestling in prayer that you will be able to stand? That's what God is saying. Did we occupy? Those who are called to pray. Did we occupy? Most of the church is called to pray. Much of the church is called to pray. Acts chapter 1 and 2. No, we don't have to go there. Acts chapter 1 and 2. We see 120 praying. In Acts chapter 2, you only see one preaching. What do you see? 120 praying. Now what we see is 120 preaching and one praying. In the world, I'm talking about. God said, you're called to pray. You are supposed to occupy your prayer closet and occupy till I come. Take over the airwaves. Because if you don't win that battle over there, we have to once again establish air superiority. Otherwise, you cannot take the ground. That is simple warfare. 
before any general attacking general will commit today's war troops on the ground to attack he will ask for the air force to bomb the daylights out of the enemy and once they have done it he'll say let the troops because he said i don't want casualties these are my men this desert storm and all was like that they bombed this Iraq's defenses, everything out. There was not even one aircraft left by the time they finished. Then they sent in the troops. But says, you want to take over the land? You want to win the hearts and the souls of the people for Christ, the kingdom come? You think it's going to happen without have establishing air superiority? Are you occupying your prayer clauses? Yes, we are. But we are so concerned with our carnal needs. Our earthly needs. But then God say, how many times did he say, did you look at the birds in the, are we online or gone off? Which one? YouTube? Okay. Sami, your brains are needed. Come back. Net is there, right? Okay. That's why we should start a channel called VTube. This is YouTube. That's the problem. Honestly, I'm praying, Lord, if you tarry to come, we need to change everything. Like in the ancient days, you have to touch believers. Enterprise, industry, everything. You have to have an alternative to a believer's internet. A believer's Google. Everything. Believer's Twitter. Everything has to change. So that a clear division is made between the believing and the unbelieving. We, we don't have to use their platforms. Because in the ancient days, old days, every scientist was a believer. Now they have gone to the lodges and got their knowledge and they have taken over. And we have to fight it back and take it back. Because the earth and its fullness belongs to God, not to the devil. That fellow never created anything. He is a thief from the beginning. And a murderer. And the world gives credit to him. Even the wisdom he had, God gave him. So, are we back? We have to get back and occupy the airwaves. We pray, but much of our prayer is over things which God said. You don't have to. It's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. I imagine I go evening in the night and you know, my son says, Father, I pray you that you give me my dinner. <laughs> you know? Holy and mighty Father, I'm hoping for a nice dinner. What's wrong with you? Is that my duty? Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? No. Some of our prayers make God look terrible, right? We say our Father and then make Him look like an evil Father. We have to keep on asking you, otherwise you will let us go hungry. God says you don't bother about that. Occupy till I come. Be occupied in my business. In my business. We have to get back. Because if we don't occupy our prayer closet and occupy the airwaves, when we stand before God, He will say, I gave you one command. And you did consider it nothing. When all, all you needed was that. To occupy till I come. Second Timothy 4, 1 and 2. 
Second Timothy 4, 1 and 2. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. What did he tell the preachers? Occupy till I come. The pulpit. Occupy the pulpit till I come. In season and off season. There is no off season for preaching. There is no. This is all seasons. Not a restaurant, the pulpit. All seasons. Preach without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. This cannot stop. Occupy till I come. Because when the pulpit is unoccupied, the devil will still speak through a thousand different places. His pulpit is never unoccupied. When the prayer closet is unoccupied, the devil doesn't rest. He's still occupying. Look at what the devil says, God says about the devil and his works. First Peter chapter 5 verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a devouring, roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's restless. Meaning he never takes rest. Up and down and up and down, pacing for the whole earth to see whom he can. Meaning he's not just one with millions and billions of his fallen ones. Job 1.7 Old Testament witness. Lord said to Satan, from where did you come? Satan answered the Lord said, from going to and forth on the earth. Not one gully. We walk from here to the railway crossing, we are tired. This fellow goes back and forth the whole earth. From backing, walking back and forth on it. God did not know. Of course you knew. Why did he ask? For our sake, so that we will know what our enemy does. God knows. God asks so many questions and makes an idiot of this fellow. He will boast, I was walking back and forth. So generations later, people realize, this is what this fellow does. Let us bind him. Let us put some trip on his feet so that he is not able to walk. Okay. He thinks he is smart. Smarter than God. God makes a fool of him at every turn. But the people need to understand what God is saying. In Psalm 91, we read verse 5 and 6. When he's walking back and forth, day and night, this is what he does. Terror by the night, arrows during the day, pestilence that walks in the... That's what coronavirus is. It's walking in the darkness. Destruction that lays waste at Noonday. Temperature also doesn't matter to that virus. Noonday also it is destroying. But who is behind all this? It's the devil. God is never the originator of evil. He will bring good out of evil, but he is never tempted by evil. It is the devil. It is the devil. We need to understand, he never takes a break. Never takes a break. That's why God divided the entire world into two groups. When it is night in US, it is day here. One hemisphere is day, one hemisphere is night. Meaning, I will have my people praying 24-7, non-stop. You will occupy, you will occupy the pulpit and the prayer closet 24-7. Let my word go out. Let the earth be filled with the knowledge of God. And let my people be absolutely 
know what they are supposed to do. They have to take over the airwaves. Otherwise, nothing is going to happen. What do you do? We delay his coming. When we are called in the book of Peter to hasten his coming, we delay his coming. Yes, it says the bridegroom delayed. But did the bride have something to do with his delay? Yes, the bride never prepared herself. Because the Bible says the bride prepared herself. The bride did not prepare herself, therefore he delayed. He has been ready from day one. He doesn't have to put makeup. He's the fairest of 10,000. He's the lily of the valley. He doesn't need anything. He's perfect. So he is waiting for the girl to get ready. And the girl has left her prayer closet empty. The pulpits are empty. And the government is going with that. They know a Catholic service is only 40 minutes. So says 45 minutes. Five minutes extra for the Catholic church. They will ask, what will you do with that five minutes? Because when I grew up, 40 minutes, there were two churches. The Syrian was two hours, the other one was 40 minutes. Finally, I asked my uncle, grandfather, can I go to the other one? He said, go. Because this one was difficult, sitting and kneeling, kneeling and kneeling, sitting and kneeling on the choir carpet. Not even this carpet. The choir one, which leaves marks on your feet. Because you are small, then you are wearing shorts. So it hurt. So I said, can I go over there? Because I heard a rumor that is only 40 minutes. So he said, go. I realized, wow. Service is over. You attended mass. Didn't know it was mass deception. <laughs> so government also agrees with you. 40 minutes. 45 minutes for service should be over in 45 minutes. How easy. What can we occupy in 45 minutes? What can we occupy in 45 minutes? But who made it that way? Not the government. The church. The church made it that way. We are called to occupy. On top of all this, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, with an enemy invisible, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, He shall direct your paths. You know? What is the flip side of this? The flip side of this is that all our understanding, wisdom, education is useless before the enemy. It makes no difference to him. You can give a lecture on feminism. He will clap and says, go your way. I give you that idea. You can give an entire this thing about so racial profiling and racial injustice. He says, sounds good. I think I did it one of my lectures, that one. You can bring all the social causes. He is interested in social causes except the cause of the kingdom. He's not bothered by these lectures. All your human understanding and all our human wisdom is worthless in this battle. Absolutely worthless in this battle. It's useless. It's good to get a job. It will not make the kingdom move one inch. Useless. That is what Second Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 says. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, are not human, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. What does it basically mean? It simply means that if we resort to human methods in the spiritual battle, defeat is guaranteed. Defeat is guaranteed. All our social programs is not going to change social injustice. 
There's only one answer to social injustice. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have to get back. Like the church in the book of Acts. Back to the pulpit and back to the prayer closet. We will not leave the ministry of the word and the ministry of prayer, said the apostles. We cannot occupy. Cannot occupy. If we march with the wrong people. If we join with the wrong people. Second Chronicles chapter 20 verses 35 and to 37. Second Chronicles chapter 20, 35 to 37. After this, Jehoshaphat king of Judah allied himself with Ahaziah king of Israel who acted very wickedly. He allied himself with him to make ships to go to Tarshish and they made ships in Ezion Geber. In verse 37, but Elias is the son of Dodba of Marib prophesied against Jehoshaphat saying, because you have allied yourself with Ahaziah, the Lord has destroyed your works. Destroyed your works. The ships were wrecked. God just destroyed all the ships. You cannot occupy unless you ally yourself with the right people. Yeah, America is talking about, no? We want a president who unites. How can he unite the nation with Antifa? You cannot have unity without truth. There's only one unity in the Bible, the unity of faith and the unity of the spirit. You cannot have unity with people who are trying to destroy your own nation. How can you unite? This is what the Bible is talking about. If you have to occupy as a church, and as a church of God on the earth, you should be very, very clear with whom you unite. Very, very clear with whom you unite. In Psalm 1 and verse 1, this is what scripture says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. This man has made it very clear with whom he will not unite. Because who you associate with will determine your victory. Otherwise you can't occupy. Right? Well, you legalized the murder of babies. I don't want to call it pro-choice. I want to call it by its actual name. You legalized the murder of babies. You legalized what God calls an abomination called homosexuality. You legalized marijuana. Now you're legalizing crime. And you're saying, unite. Unite on what platform? Well, Christians are marching. Bible says, isolate yourself from workers of iniquity. Christians are marching shoulder to shoulder, hand to hand. Okay. You have to read the placards carefully. And you will see over time, the placards keep changing. Black lives matter. Middle of it. Another placard. Transgender lives matter. Transvestite lives matter. Gay lives matter. Unborn babies' lives don't matter. 
Oh, you are also marginalized in the society. What about the one which has no voice? Who will speak for that baby? Who will speak for that baby? There are many placards over there. That's why I like this. No, you can make your screen big and see. Read the small print. All Christians are also walking along with that. We are walking for social justice. What about justice for the babies? Begin there. If you want to start to bring justice in a society, you always have to go to the weakest. The ones who have no voice at all. They are the babies. Oh, by the way, this happened in the church, not on the streets first. The church allowed it. White and black preachers united in one thing, that it does not matter if you abort babies, they will anyway go to heaven. I'm not talking about the reformist circle and all, but there are lots of black and white ones who preach. It is okay. You sanctioned homosexuality in the church. Not by ordaining gay bishops and gay. Before that you sanctioned. You know what you said? And you allowed in your talks in the black and the white community churches. You said it is okay. You know what? If a man has sodomizes his wife, it is okay. Because now she had a few babies. It is not so much fun the other way. So you first sodomized. You legitimized sodomy in your bedroom. Then you sodomized it in the public space. What you sow, you reap. Black and white. Black and white. You say in English, what is good for the goose is good for the gander. Now you say unite. This is when the chickens come home. God says you can unite in word, you can unite in prayer, you can unite in faith. You can unite in spirit. And you have one cause, which is called the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, let me tell you, all lives matter. All lives matter. That's why the Bible is full of real stories. Real. The Bible is an up-to-date book. Relevant for all times. You want to look about homosexuality? It is there. You want to talk about social justice? It is there. You want to talk about any issue? It's there. Judges chapter 18, verses 7 to 10, and then 27, 28. Judges 18. 7 to 10. Interesting words. Then spies came back to their brethren at Zorah and Estol, and their brethren said to them, what is your report? So they said, arise, let us go up against them, for we have seen the land, and indeed it is very good. Would you do nothing? Do not hesitate to go and enter to possess the land. Why? When you go, you will come to a secure people and a large land, for God has given it into your hands, a place where there is no, no lack of Anything that is on the earth. And come to 27 and 28. So they took the things Micah had made and the priest who had belonged to him and went to Laish 
to a people quiet and secure and struck them with the edge of the sword and burned the city with fire. Why? There was no deliverer because it was far from Sidon and they had no ties with anyone. And it was in the valley that belongs to Beth that rebuilt the city and dwelt there. That's what happens to Christian nations, conquered one by one by one. They thought they were secure. They thought they were secure. Europe, Europe thought they were secure. Europe is gone. They just thought we are secure. Of course, how can we fall? Don't you know Germany, the official church is a Lutheran church? England, how can we fall? Church of England. All these churches have stayed religion. But there is no Christianity there left. The others have taken over. You thought you were so secure. They had no ties with anyone. There was no deliverer. One by one by one by one by this nation's fall. Now the enemy is knocking at the gates of US, the last nation left. And when that nation falls, whenever it falls, the end will be hastened. Why? Matthew 13 and verse 25. When while men slept, the enemy does not sleep. His enemy came and saw tears. When men slept, the enemy has been planting tears in every section of the society. In religion, in media, in cinema, in songs, in entertainment, in education, in politics, in congress, in justice, everywhere it has been planting the tears. And they have been growing. And they all carried a Bible with them. But nobody knew these were tears. Oh, the chief justice and every justice is sown on the Bible. They thought these are Christians. Every congressman except one or two who claimed they are Muslims openly, rest all of those sown on the Bible. Every president was sown on the Bible. Everybody said they are a Christian. But everything they do is unchristian. Anti-Christian. Now gay advocates and all in the media and all are telling us how to interpret the Bible. They say the Bible is theirs. The church was not praying. It was playing. Everything, they call it the seven pillars. Everything has been taken over by the enemy. Everything has been taken over by the enemy. Sports, businesses, and everybody, literally everybody, and the assault of this anti-government, anti-God agenda. And Black Lives Matter is just a cause for them. The bigger guys behind them don't care for black lives at all. It's just an agenda. Everybody literally is taking a knee. Everybody is crumbling under the weight. And one man alone stands and says, you got to be kidding me. I'm not taking a knee on any of this thing. I'll fight for you. I'll fight for what is just, but I'm not taking a knee for anybody. NFL. Everybody is taking a literally a knee. You see when they come knocking at the gates, churches and media, everybody is 
buckling under pressure. You know, when the hour of trial came, nobody has the strength because nobody had a conviction. That was not what the church was supposed to be. In Isaiah 62, verse 6 and 7, this is what the church was supposed to do. Isaiah 62, verses 6 and 7. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You shall make mention of the Lord. Do not keep silent and give him no rest. Till he establishes, till he makes Jerusalem a place in the earth. That was our job. You know what God is saying? Don't give me rest. Day and night cry out unto me. Until my kingdom is established on earth. That is what you are supposed to do. Preach in day and night. Pray day and night. Let my kingdom come. Give me no rest. Then I will move on behalf of you when I see us zealous people. Give me no rest. Give him no rest. This is God saying. Everybody tells give me some rest. God says give me no rest. See I have set watchmen on your That's why the same prophet, God will say through the same prophet, your watchmen are dumb dogs. They don't bark. They don't pray. They don't preach. That's what we were supposed to do. Occupy till he comes. Thy name. Thy will. Thy kingdom. Hallow thy name, O Lord. Thy will is done. And Lord, let your kingdom come. You don't have to go to the university to understand times. You just have to go to God and to His Word. What you see on the streets are, in so many ways, innocent people, young ones, brainwashed in their universities, funded by the tax dollars of their own parents. All leftist ideologies. Godless ideas. And they are marching the streets now. Marching the streets. Fodder. Gun fodder. Do we understand the times? Mordecai did. In Esther chapter 4 verse 12 to 14. Mordecai had a very clear understanding. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise from the Jew, from for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Now what he said? You've been put there for a purpose, not to take beauty treatments. To intercede for God's people. You have been given access to the king. Make use of it. She didn't understand. So he had to get her to understand. This is the reason why you are there. Understand your purpose. Esther. She was not put there to have a good time. But to be a voice for God's people. When we are not alert... Bible over and over and over and over and over tells us, watch and pray, watch and pray, watch and pray, watch and pray. What happens when we are not alert? And we do not have Mordecai who will alert us. Divine opportunities pass us by. 
that could have saved lives. And wrong decisions are made when we are not watchful, either in word or in prayer. Opportunities pass us by. And that's what Jesus asked his disciples. <laughs> Matthew 26, 45. 26.45 He came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Are you still sleeping and resting? Don't you know the time? The hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. That's exactly what God is telling the church, especially in America. Are you still sleeping and resting? It's not the Son of Man. His bride is being handed over to the hands, betrayed in the hands of the sinners. The city on the hill is being pulled down by sinners, wicked and evil people. Not the kids on the streets. No, 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 not them. Not the black brethren. None of them. There are wicked powers behind it who are pulling the strings. That's what God is asking us too. It doesn't matter. We are 10,000 miles away. It's irrelevant. It's one body. There are not two bodies. It's one body, many parts, but one body. God doesn't have two bodies on earth. He has only one body. And that's what he's asking us. Are you still sleeping and resting? He's asking the church. The hour is at hand. People are marching on the streets. Everywhere except India. Justice. But God says, before you ask for justice, let me ask you this question. Are you really just? Are you personally just? Because labels don't change who you are. I can take a bottle of red hot chili pickle and put a sticker orange marmalade. And I would invite you to have breakfast with me. And you will wonder why this is a fiery breakfast. Because I just changed the label. Does change, change the label change the product? No, it does not. Just put, just because you put a sticker called progressive, you don't become progressive. You are what you are. You're not a progressive. The label does not make you progressive. My question is that if you are a progressive, that means you value life. All life. Not just certain lives that suit your politics. If you are a progressive, I have to ask this question. Do you value babies? Because I have to come back to that. A woman can take care of herself, but not the baby in her womb. If I have to fight for the baby or the mother, I would fight for the baby. Okay, where the mother's life is at stake, it's a different question. I'm not talking about that. Not at all. If you are a progressive, then you should be Raising your voice for the voiceless. That's what a progress you're supposed to be, right? Today they are expecting a few hundred thousand must finished DC. The last time a million women gathered in DC during Tom's presidency was for the right to kill. That's how I will always, because you have to label. That's what I like Trump, because you have to put a label. Unless you label something correctly, you don't pass a message across. So he called radical Islamic terrorism. You have to call it that. Otherwise it does not work. You have to name it. He's not politically correct. Neither was God. 
right? A couple of years ago, a million people of the same group marched for the right to kill. Today you are marching for the right to life. You are contradicting yourself. How is one life more valuable than the other? Both lives are valuable. The life of a baby, the life of a black man are both valuable. But when you march for that right, remember two years ago the march to kill? You know who, which community loses most? It's a black community. Most babies that are aborted in America are black babies. So on one side you are marching for the right to kill black babies. And today you are marching for the right of a black life. And in the process of your rights, five lives were lost and four of them were black. Not a single white man died. And you killed them. The cops didn't kill them. But those are okay. That's okay. So who will speak for those murdered millions? If you are a progressive, if you are a liberal, you're supposed to be fighting for free speech, right? That's what ACLU is all about, right? But actually, you stifle free speech. A liberal progressive can speak in any conservative institution. But if a conservative tries to come to a liberal progressive university, they will chase you out, they will burn the university down, you are not allowed to speak there. So who is progressive? Let us change your moniker, your name. You are not progressives. You are regressives. That's what you are. You are taking us back in time to the Stone Age, if there was a Stone Age. There was no Stone Age. There was an Adamic Age. Adam had more, better sense than you, though he didn't go to college. You are neither liberals nor progressives. You are what you actually are. You are fascists. Because fascism is what stifles speech, not Trump. You call him a fascist, but no, he's not a fascist. You are the fascist. If you are a progressive, if you are a progressive, that means you are progressed, then you will value my property. You don't burn and steal my property. If you are a progressive, right? But isn't that what you did? That Apple has to send a message to everybody who stole Apple products. We are tracking you. What are the kids going to do with the Apple iPads and the iPhones they stole? What are they going to do? Such idiotic kids. You steal a 5,000 rupee, not rupee, 2,000 dollar or 1,500 dollar Nike shoes. Can you wear it out? Everybody will know you stole it because they know where you come from. 5,000 dollar Gucci bag. Where are you going to take it, young lady? All these years you're going with a rucksack and now you've got a Gucci bag. Are you going to come out? The cops are looking for you. The cameras are picking you up. Burning somebody's property, stealing somebody's property is not progressive values. But you know when it becomes progressive according to your terms, I know only one ideology which sanctions it. It is called communism, where the end justifies the means. So your name should be changed. You are not the Democratic National Party. You are the Democratic Communists of America. You are actually wolves in sheep's clothing. You are communists. 
Everywhere communism has taken root, they have destroyed the world, destroyed the nations and killed people in their millions. See, you don't fool us, at least here in India. And of course, most pastors in the U.S. are scared to speak. It's about money, honey. (sighs) What will happen to your tax-free dollars? You should learn to listen to Peter. When somebody tried to buy a gift with money, your money rot with you. Pastors learn from the preachers, Peter, John. That's why I said Jesus, Paul, Paul, Apostle Paul, John the Baptist, and the prophets of the old covenant, they were not politically correct. They use words which Twitter would ban today. That's why I'm speaking. You ban me, I'm not on Twitter. Where will you go and ban me? And to my black brothers in US, I have a question to ask you. Why are you marching today to the White House? Why are you marching to the White House? Because the White House doesn't make laws. It's the Congress who makes laws. You should be marching to Nancy Pelosi's house. She's the speaker. She's the one. The Congress makes the laws and the president just executes it. He doesn't make any law. The Congress does. Your city council does. You want police reform? Go ask the Congress to change the laws. He doesn't change the laws. So who's responsible for police reform? The Congress. And your city councils, they make the laws. And every place where the police abuse has taken place, by the way, is a Democrat-run blue city. So why don't you go march to them and say, change the laws? So this is just politics. This is not truth. March to the Congress. March to Nancy Pelosi's house. Nancy Pelosi came out, no? To mock Trump and held a Bible and read it also. Okay, Nancy, I understand. You read the Bible. Maybe Trump doesn't. But because, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't read the Bible. But I have tell you, Nancy, that he has done more to uphold the values enshrined in the Bible than any one of you. You read the Bible, Nancy Pelosi, but you have consistently upheld the killing of unborn babies. You support the Antifa, which are radical leftist communists willing to burn down. What about the five others who died? Four of them are black. I didn't see any one of you except Trump showing remorse for their death. What about the coronavirus? While President Trump was banning the flights from China, Nancy Pelosi was partying in Chinatown. That's why I believe Trump was put there for a reason by God. Because you see every tweet of his triggers. And if you have eyes as a Christian, you see the reaction to his tweets and you will see the media, the Hollywood, the administration, the Congress, the military. 
you can see what God is showing to you. He is showing you very clearly who belongs where. He is using him to expose America. The issues you are facing did not start with Trump. He is using Trump to expose the fault lines that this is what you always wear. My dear black America, why don't you march to Barack Obama's home? No? For eight years, you had a black president who did the least for the black men and the women and the children. Rick Holder was a black attorney general. Susan Rice was a black national advisory, NSA's head. All black, right? They were holding the power for eight years. What did you do? More people were put in, black people were put into prison because of the laws that was enacted and supported by Joe Biden. And more black people have been released from prison by the justice reform that was enacted by President Trump. That's the truth black people need to know. You know why black people went into prison in their hundreds and thousands? Because of a law, it was pushed and enacted by Joe Biden. Who is trying to become the next president? And do you know how many black people were released and came out because of the justice reform that Trump brought out to release the black people out of prison and allow them to get back into society? You have been brainwashed. That's why 10,000 miles sitting out here, we look at regret at this nation. What are these people talking about? He's not a racist. He has fought for your race more than any other president in U.S. history. CNN and NBC and all can call him a racist from morning till evening. Look, every word, every expletive over there, but he's still standing there and doing the work he should be doing. That's the truth. So the question you have to ask is, what did Obama do for me? How come all these presidents, when they come into the White House, they are kind of relatively okay, but when they go out, they are millionaires. While a billionaire comes into the White House, he takes one dollar as a salary. When he goes out, he would have lost a couple of billion dollars. Loss, not gain. How come you all talk about climate change and the oceans are rising and you go buy a $12 million mansion in Martha's Vineyard which is next to the ocean? So you propagate an idea which you don't believe. You're fooling people. If the oceans are rising, why are you all billionaires who are fighting for climate change buying mansions by the ocean? Obama also bought for $12 million. The fraud that is being perpetrated on an ignorant population. And the young people are walking on the streets and losing their lives. Who will speak the truth? Who will speak the truth? Because that's exactly what they want. Dumb masses. The job of the church is to educate the masses. That was always what the church was. as a place where people were educated to the truth. In ancient America, people learned politics at the church, not from newspapers. Difference between Obama and Trump is Obama is a smooth talker. Trump is a doer. And all this noise is to drown what he's doing. Adam Schiff, during the impeachment, wrote a script enacted a script which is all false 
I'm not in the Congress, so I will also enact a script which I wrote. Nancy must have called Shifi and Chucky, you know who they are, and must have been crying. What more can we do? We perpetrated Russian hawks for three years. Now it's all coming apart. With our allies in the press and Hollywood, it didn't work. The impeachment was such a flop show. And our star witness, remember, Robert Mueller, sounded like a retard. We took help from President Xi and we imported the pandemic. Then we was hoping at least riots would bring it down. Chucky, did you see the Rob Jobs report of May? We thought the unemployment would go up by another 9 million. Actually, employment has gone up by 3 million. What is this guy doing? President Trump, if God is for you, who can be against you? He is the only one in this world, this entire world, in the midst of a recession, is pulling a, a rabbit out of the hat. Three million jobs gained. And every pundit said, you will lose nine million jobs. He proved every... And that is without the big blue states even opening. And he said, if only they open, do you know what will happen? After World War One, like Churchill, on no single man's shoulder has so much rested. Pray for him. So if Twitter was in 1st century AD, John the Baptist tweets, Twitter bans, because John the Baptist called the righteous Pharisees a brood of wipers. Delete! Fact checked by CNN. First century tweet from the carpenter from Nazareth. He has called Honorable Herod Fox. Twitter deletes his tweet. The carpenter from Nazareth has called the Pharisees Honorable, Venerable, Right Reverend Pharisees whitewashed graves. You know, some many of the things God said in the Old Testament today's Twitter would ban it. So all the pastors in US were afraid. I'm speaking for you. <laughs> Somebody has to speak, no? Luke 17 verse 13. 17.10, Jesus says an incredible another parable and makes a statement there. So likewise, when you have done all these things which you are commanded, say we are unprofitable servant. We have done our? We have done our? Hats off to the cops of NYPD. 38,000 cops. What if they had said enough and all of them decided to walk off? New York would have been burning. In the midst of it all, they still stood there, took the spit, took the junk, took the frozen bottles, took the Molotov cocktails and still did their duty. And nobody appreciates them except President Trump. Do you know if the police force in all these cities were to walk off, what would happen to those cities? It will burn. They stood there. Many of them were shot. They still stood there. 
Nobody appreciated that. So you ask me and I look as a third world country person from 10,000 miles away. Who's answering the call of duty? Yes, there are some rotten apples among all of them. In every community there are. By and large, the cops have stood there and done their duty. They have done. And if the cops, even in Hyderabad, if the cops are not there for 48 hours, and the underground gangs and the gangs here knows, you know what, this city will burn. This city will burn. Every city will burn. Every city in the world will burn. And what are they marching on the streets and asking? Defund the police. And many blue cities are talking about defunding the police. You don't know what this ideology is coming from. What is behind this ideology? If we defund Hyderabad police, then who takes care of the security? The security will be taken by the society. Each society will have their own vigilantes. There are many colonies in North India. Nobody can go come in or go out because of the pandemic. They have decided the rules. Do you know if you defund the police, what happens? You know, these are all absolute, every word they are talking about because people are actually illiterate. Not they are not unread, but illiterate in the sense of politics. These are all typical playbooks from the communists. This is exactly how communism perpetuates. Because I come from a state, for those who are hearing in US 1956, my state, Kerala, small little tiny little state in Kerala was the first state in the entire world where the communists came in through the ballot box. Every other nation, they have come through the bullet. And they have their ways of doing things. Everything that you are seeing that, that is, the, that is happening through the Congress, the Democrat Party, the Antifa, the streets, it's exactly what the communists do. They have their own books. They have their own ways of doing things. And this is what they do. And you need to realize the universities and the colleges, it doesn't matter how great they were once, have been taken over completely by them. The media. Everything has been taken over by them. Go back and read. New York Times has a project called 1617, if I'm right. It's 1617, they have a project. They're rewriting the history of US. Like our government is rewriting the history of India and making it saffron. They're rewriting the history of US. It's a project. And the blacks who have always been oppressed are even more oppressed. And they don't know they are, who is oppressing them. They don't even know who is oppressing them. You know, the presidential candidate actually told that guy who was interviewing him, if you vote for Trump, you ain't black. You know what he says? We own your minds. We own your votes. So who thinks you are a slave? Trump or Biden? Trump said, what do you got to lose if you vote for me? What did Biden say? If you don't vote for me, you ain't black, meaning I own you. I own you. When will your eyes open that you are able to see their actual attitude of their heart? For you, for them, you are just a voting block. They think you are still slaves and they can manipulate you to keep voting for you always. You want liberty? Break free. 
In his press conference, all excited over the jobs report, President Trump said, "This is a, he said, George Floyd must be looking down and smiling. What did he mean? That if the employment keeps on going up, blacks will also have jobs. So it's good for the black community too. You know what Kamala Harris said? Don't you dare even utter his name for your lips. What do you mean? Only you have the right to utter black men's names. You own them. You own their names too now. So who is the racist? Donald Trump, Donald Trump, or you? You own their vote. You own their bodies. You own their names. What do you think black people are? Still slaves? I never studied politics, but I know how to read politics. Because God taught me. You have to listen to people. And what they say. And you have to realize... These are leftists. These are not Democrats. Even North Korea has a great label as a democratic republic. <laughs> China has people's republic. It's neither people's nor republic. It is she's. People are just slaves. That's what the pulpit exists. So that people will know. Know how to read the times. And know who are the ones who actually enslaves you. Actually enslaves you. What ideology enslaves you. How you change the label? So easy, no? Democratic Party was actually the party of slavery. And quickly they turned around and put a new label. We are fighting for you now. But you enslaved us all these 300 years, not the Republicans. The Republicans fought for you. But if you brainwash a set of people, you can still keep enslaving them. Because whoever owns your mind, owns your body. That's why ideologies matter. And when the scripture says the kingdom of God will ultimately prevail over all the kingdoms of men, you also have to realize this ideology will Overrule everything. And you and I have to believe it and speak it fearlessly. That's our conviction. I believe this will overrule everything. Therefore, I speak it. We are not afraid. We are not afraid to speak. Because the liberty for the white man, the black man, the brown man, all men, is the word of God and the word of God alone. One person, one God, who doesn't see the judges you by the color of your skin. Everyone is the same for him. So the thing is that we have to occupy our closets, prayer closets, and we have to learn to pray. Put out, put aside your earthly needs. When you take care of God's need, He will take care of your need. It's a principle in the kingdom. It's the most difficult thing for you to do. But that is what God demands you to do. That's what Elijah said. Feed me. Feed me. And your bin will never dry, run dry. Never will have to worry about yourself and your son. But feed me. Take care of God's need. You know what God's need is? We hallow his name. Thy will be done on earth as it is heaven. Thy kingdom come. That's the need of the hour. And for that, we have to get into our prayer closets everywhere 
and pray strategically. Strategic prayer is what we learn from the entire prayer lives of the old covenant people and you see God creating confusion in the ranks of the enemy. Today, we don't see Nancy or Chuck Schumer or Adam Schiff or anybody as our enemies unless they have joined hand in hand with the enemies. We don't see flesh and blood as our enemies. We just see them as puppets being used by the enemy or the enemies in the second realm. Confusion has to be wrecked there. When there is confusion there, there will be confusion in the ranks of those who have sold themselves out to them. That's how you will know. That's what every tweet does. Every tweet. What I'm praying is, Lord, unless it's your will, I'm praying 2020, Lord, let him take over the White House, the Congress, and the Senate. Then get rid of the junk in your administration. It's a lot of dead wood in your administration who are supposedly supposed to work for you, but 24-7 they are working against you and against the nation. Or they will come across with great patriotic terms. Oh, but behind that patriotism are snakes. So pray. There will be absolute total confusion in the spiritual realm. That's our job to pray. Manifestation we'll see on earth. We don't, we cannot create manifestation. That will automatically happen. When the powers of darkness are confused and fighting each other, all that thing happens, they will start fighting here too. That's how you identify. Who is who? You don't have to worry. Our job is not to fight flesh and blood, but we are called to wrestle with powers of darkness. We pray for the opening of the eyes of the people. Everywhere, especially in U.S., because they have been blinded. The eyes are rich, demonic, mind-blinding has been taking place. For year after year after year after year after year, all the young people, all their watches, violence and porn, what are they going to come out as? What are they going to come out as? That's what they're watching. Violence, 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 while Hollywood is pumping in. That's what they've been watching. And Hollywood celebrities, when they come out over a tweet, when they open their mouth, only filth comes out. So you know they look good and they are filthy inside. That's what they really are. They are not like what they look in the mirror. They really are is what comes out of their mouth. Every word they all speak is filth, including the mayor of Chicago. Filth. So you know who they are from what they say. So you don't have to do anything, just pray. And God will expose. But people's eyes also have to be open. So pray against mind blinding. Consistently pray. Never give up. Pray. Once again from Christendom. Genuine geniuses will rise. All the ancient geniuses, whether it was Isaac Newton or all of them were gentle believers. And they brought about the change. Today, geniuses are coming from the Lord's. They go there, sell their souls all to the devil, and then he gives them the breakthrough. And before you know, a school dropout and a college dropout has brought this great innovation. Everybody wants to be like that, and children are all dropping out of school, hoping they will become like that. But they don't know where their source of power is from. No, it has to go back to where it comes from. All this belongs to our God. The devil is a thief. He steals and he sells it. The thieves also sell their products. He's a thief who sells God's products. We have to pray. Everything there has to be an alternative from God's kingdom. If it is to come, then we have. We don't know when he's coming. 
we need to have an alternative to everything, including Google and Apple and Twitter and everything. So there is absolute clear divide that people will know. It's no gray area. This is white. This is darkness. This is light. Not gray. No gray areas anymore. No gray areas anymore. Absolutely. This is how we need to pray. And pray for President Trump. God will put a literally a wall of fire around him that whatever they throw at him, it only bounces back at them. It will not touch him. And that God would really take a call of fire from his holy place and touch his lips. That when he speaks, there will be power, there will be authority. Because literally like that Hollywood movie, he's the last man standing for the church. Last man standing for the church. There's hardly anybody left. Hardly anybody there. Everything they tried has been debunked, including that medicine. What is that called? Hydra? Yeah. That. No. He was taking it. And they made a huge, this thing about his killing people and all, and they brought out a fake study. Now it has been proved the study was fake. But now it has been proved it is study is fake. It's not in the papers. No, bottom, at the line, bottom one line. So nobody will know we lied to you. And he is standing there firm and strong and walking around, not even wearing a mask. And she must have been rubbing her hands in glee. Oh, Trump will get it, Pence will get it, they both will die, and then I will become president. Because I am third in line. But that man is walking around like a lion. They must be cursing this man won't die also. No one will die before his time because he has been put there by God. You can try anything. He ain't going to die. He ain't going to die. You can try everything. Even Secret Service, his, his personal valet also fell with COVID-19. It went over him. And he was not even wearing a mask. I like him. He wore a mask in that factory and came out. He took it off. He said, I will not give the press the pleasure. They are not the press. We know what press is. Once upon a time, press was polite. They were respectable. They, they should name the change. This is not the White House press. This is the White House oppress. That's their name. White House oppress. That's what they should be called. That's what you call them. White House oppress. Because names matter. <laughs> and he's good at labeling them nicely. Because names stick. It's fun, no? You have you have, you have uh, entertainment free. You don't have to subscribe to any channel. All you have to watch is American politics. How to fool a set of people and get them onto the streets. Supposedly for a cause. And you are responsible for the cause and you're blaming somebody else. He's been there only for three years. What did he do to create this? He was never a politician. 30 years, the other guy has been a senator. What did you do? What has he done? The set of people you need to realize who will burn their own country down to get him out. So you need to realize this is more than politics. This is more than politics. This is something diabolic and demonic behind all of this. Why would an entire set of people go after one man like this? If you really want to get him down, okay, vote him out. 
What do you want? Why would you try everything? Literally burning your own country down to bring this man down. So, it's not politics. It's more than politics. Like Shakespeare says in the book of Hamlet, there's something rotten in the state of US. Something rotten in the corridors of the Congress. There's something rotten here. It stinks. Something. It's demonic. It's diabolic. And watch out for all the religious figures. I can't call them Christian figures. I have to call them religious figures in US. When they come out against him, Christians, watch out. Those are the wolves in sheep's clothing. Watch out them. These are the ones also at the background who are dabbled in the occult. I'm telling you straight, watch out for their voices. Identify them. Don't listen to them. Because all kind of diabolic things are happening. And as I close, let me tell you interesting. There's only one group in India who have supported Black Lives Matter. I do believe Black Lives Matter. Okay, But I'm talking about the movement which has been taken over by the radicals. Do you know which is the group? Only one group. Publicly. CPIML. The Naxalites. So you understand the ideology. Yeah, so we understand. We understand very well. When you know the people who speak for you, China is supporting, after killing all their people, they are supporting. Iran, the most number one terrorist, supporting the rights, the people's movement in America, and the CPIML in India. Sounds funny, right? Because ideologically they are all the same. Ideologically, they are all the same. These are totalitarian regimes. Let me tell you, even in India, the threat is not BJP. threat is Naxals. You can still live under a BJP regime. You will never be able to live under the Naxals. They will kill you. They will burn you down. They will, if they get control. Everywhere they have done it. Mao did it in China. Lenin and Stalin did it in China. They did it in, in Russia, in Korea. Pol Pot in Kamaruj. They're all the ideology is the same. They will. Vietnam? Know your politics. Read your history. Read this. Open your eyes. Amen? So I gave you a history lesson, a political lesson, but I preached to you the word. How to understand and read the times. Let us pray. Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. Oh, Father, we just want to be there, found at your post. You have designated each one of us. You told us to occupy. We'll occupy our pulpits. We'll occupy our prayer closets. And we will occupy it till you come. You occupied the post your father gave you even on the cross. You continued your work of redemption. You continued your work of intercession till your last breath. You showed us the way how to occupy till the end. And I pray, Father, as I speak and all those who hear, the spirit of prayer and supplication would fall upon your people. That people who truly, truly not waste time, but give you no rest 
in their prayer closets. Cry out day and night for a revival to break through through this dark. That America would truly, truly experience a revival. Back to God. That the song, the message of Martin Luther King would come true. That for once the white man and the black man and white children and black children would walk in unity, hand in hand, in the church, in truth, and not on the streets, burning and looting. Respecting the law, not abhorring the law. Because the law has come from you. We have warped it. But the law comes from you. And that will never change. From the day you spoke from Mount Sinai, thus they says the Lord God of Israel, it will never change. It will be there forever and ever. Thou shalt not kill, is thou shalt not kill. And thou shalt not steal, is thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet, is still thou shalt not covet. It will never change. It is eternal. Because it's part of who you are. And I pray, Lord, a generation will rise. That when we give up hope, when we think this is the darkest, help us to believe. Like Abraham, where scripture says he did not stagger in unbelief. But believed against hope. Therefore his prayer was answered. And I pray, Lord, against hope we will believe. That we will not go by what we see and what we hear. We will believe that you are able to bring something out of this. And a revival will break out in that nation. It will touch the ends of the earth. And it will not be because of those TV personalities. It will be because of simple men and women who went into their prayer closets. And literally prayed heaven down. White men and black men. White woman and black woman, Hispanics and the Chinese, Indians of every race were found at their post. They were occupying their prayer closets and they were praying fire down. The powers of darkness are being consumed and there is a revival that will take place in the land. We will believe, Lord. We will believe. And we pray and we believe for a time and a season like this, you have kept your man. Much is on his shoulders. But I pray, Lord. Yes, he will not bend his knee before anyone. But I pray when he gets into his prayer closet, he will bend his knee to you. And he will cry out to you. Knowing that he doesn't have to carry this burden. Because the government is upon his shoulders. Let him cry out in his bedroom. Christ Jesus, the government is yours. I am just your servant. Pray, Lord, he will always have favor with you. And you will protect him and keep him. Pray you would use that coal and touch his lips. That you would refine his words. And he would put more power and authority when he speaks. Pray the blindfold would fall from the eyes of your people. That they would see for real who people are. Both the Democrats and the Republicans. There are only two horses in that town. They will see who the rhinos are. And you will also who the two Democrats are. 
Even in these corridors of Congress, a set of righteous people will arise. A set of righteous people who fear God, who respect the law, and who truly, truly love people of all color. Truly love people. And will not use them as fodder. Bind the power of mind blinding in the name of Jesus. Let there be a release in that nation. Let that be truly once again a nation under God. So that, O oh Lord, from that nation, the cry for liberty will go out to other nations. That we will have one nation in the world to look up to. That stands up for the voice of the oppressed. The voice of the defenseless. The voice of the unborn babies. That America would once again be that city on the hill. Pray Lord, change the young people. So much energy fighting for the wrong causes. They should be fighting for the kingdom of God. For righteousness. For thy will. For thy kingdom. Thank you, Father. Commit our churches into thy hands. And I plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over GTC everywhere. All our families, all our children. And I pray, Lord, you'll surround them with your glory. Surround them with your warring angels. That no harm will come near anyone's dwelling place. Even this pandemic will pass over them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Our hope is in you. Our trust is in you. And you will not put us to shame. We know that, Lord. But that's your promise. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen.